This is the Galaxy Wars Podcast with your host, The Grays. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Galaxy Wars Podcast. We are your hosts, Jim and Tom, the Greys, and we are back to our original format, Tom. Yeah. Not random, but we are reviewing a television series show episode, and this one's important. But before we get into that, I've got three things I want to talk about. All right. One, IGN rolled out the first teaser trailer to Doctor Who Season 13. Yep. Did, what did you think of it? Oh, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the, the actual trail oh. yet, but I, I, I've seen it. They rolled it out. Sorry. It, it looks like the Flash is in there. Like it's really? very like it looks superhero-ish uh. because it's like they're in a pub and there's just a light going. Like I might misinterpret this as the one Doctor dying and the new Doctor regenerating, um, but I'm not sure. Like from this, you don't get anything. Okay. You know what I mean? Other than you're in a pub, there's like a white street going around people and then time changes a little bit like one guy's reading a magazine and then it goes to like a Beano comic huh. or something like that and the boom at the end it's uh, Jodie Whittaker okay she's in her outfit and it says Doctor Who returns fall right 2018 okay so I'm excited this is the first yeah. this is almost a year since we yeah we England loves a, drawing this out yeah we haven't gotten a release date nothing yeah. because I'm I'm making an episode guide <laughs> and I want to know when we're going to do the first episode. But then I ventured into the cesspool of the internet and broke rule number one and went to the comments. Uh, no. Oh, my God. The the female doctor hate yeah. is still, it's growing. You know, sometimes you, well, it's harder now since we live in Trump's America, but you feel progressive and like, oh, we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Then you go into a comment section. And it's like, oh, nope. Yep, they're like, why'd you break something that wasn't? Uh, why'd you break something that wasn't broken? Well, I wonder if they're American fans or if they're, um, if they're uh, English fans. Because I don't think the English fans care. Yeah, I don't think they give a shit. They're like, all right, it's a, it's a younger doctor. It's a woman. Let's do this. Yeah. And you know, you have male counterparts now. It's it's gonna be cool. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. And we're gonna do a whole episode on sure the pilot episode because. I mean, that's what we started the podcast around, episodes on TV. Yeah. <laughs> and then I saw two movies this weekend because the wife had to work, so I decided I was going to use my pass that allows me to see movies, and I'm going to say that because they don't sponsor us yet. <laughs> so a pass that allowed me to see movies, I saw Skyscraper, All which right. is uh, Die Hard 6 starring The Rock. <laughs> Action-wise, and I'm not going to give any spoilers. He's got a fake I... leg in this, right? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm No spoilers in these next two. Because we're we're certainly not going to review these two, but it was all right. Yeah, uh, three stars out of five, maybe right. maybe two and a half. It was just The Rock doing ridiculous shit, and to make any man watching the movie feel even more inferior yeah. next to The Rock. Yeah, like there's a scene where he's he's just doing something that is just completely <laughs> ridiculous that you know would never happen, and it's just it, it was great in action, story was cool, but it was just like. What can we make The Rock do that no other man or a team of men could do? And that was Skyscraper. Right. And Neff Campbell was in it. Yeah, I haven't seen her in 20 years. Like, Wild Things was the last thing I saw her in. Yeah, probably. She she was actually pretty good. Yeah. Not a lot of speaking roles, but she was the wife, and she she was kick-ass for a minute. Like, where'd they find her for, like, 
did she take some time off to raise kids or something? I don't know. I think I mean, it's like legitimate questions. I have no idea where she went. Me either. I think The Rock is just he wants to surround himself with people that he likes, and it doesn't matter if they're a big star unless yeah. it's Kevin Hart, because he he surrounded himself with. Um, you watch Preacher, right? Yeah. The guy yeah. who plays Hitler was in it. Okay. Uh, and he was ridiculous in it. And then the um, OG Takashi Kovacs in Alter Carbon, right. the Asian guy, was also in this for okay. a hot cup of coffee. And then Pablo Schreiber was in it. Okay. And it was just like, none of them are big names. No. Nah. It's just The Rock. And, you know, our our uh, age bracket knows Nev, but I don't think a lot of the new people yeah. are going to know Nev. And it worked. Yeah, it, it may. It's probably going to make a ton of money, yeah, but it's, it's not his best movie. But it's. I don't think. I think back to a lot of actors that do this is they get a lot of scripts, and a lot of actors say yes to everything. Some say no to a ton of yeah. stuff, and they. You know, you get to a point where you just do what you want to do. Yeah, and these are all you know to keep Rock's name on people's lips. Yeah, he's in everything. Yeah. And this was his baby. Like, he was hump- piping this up. I think it's through his production company. I See, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he did because it was, I don't know how many produ- how many movies have he, has he produced right now. I think <clears throat> San Andreas. Oh, okay. He probably had something with Jumanji. Uh, and then <clears throat> this one. And yeah, his, I don't know. His ex-wife is, like, his manager still, and that relationship is going great. Yeah, that's the thing is, uh, I was going to say this earlier, and there's a lot of people looking for... Stuff to you know, bad stuff about anybody, and you don't hear a lot about him. Mm-mm. If your ex-wife can go into business with you, and like after years of divorce, yeah. and you guys are working together and pumping out yeah, all this, I don't. You don't hear anything about you know any any bad things that he's done. No. He's not a toucher. No, at least we haven't heard about it yet. Yeah, fingers crossed because that would yeah. crush me. I love The Rock. <laughs> his his daughter is going to be in. His oldest daughter's about to join the WWE. Oh, really? Yeah. I met his. Well, I, I didn't. His oldest daughter yeah. is going to be that. Is over eighteen? I, I think she's like in her twenties. Yeah. Wow. From this, from his ex wife. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've actually seen her in person. Oh, really? She's jacked. Yeah. Um, and she represents Henry Cavill. Oh, she's in the management. Yeah, too. Really? Yeah. I saw her. Um, I saw her and him together at. Uh, Ace Comic Con in okay. Long Island in December, right. and I was like, I know that woman. Where do I know that woman from? And I looked on a picture of The Rock, and there she was. Huh. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, but San Andreas, if you like action, you like The Rock, I say go see it. Uh, if it's a weekend movie by yeah, yourself, you know, I, I'm I'm not. I had no urge to see it in theaters, uh, but there's nothing that he's made that I won't leave on yeah if oh you know i could watch his yeah i was sitting i laughed through most of the parts i was like oh come on Dwayne. like (laughs) like, i'm sitting there i'm like well i can't do that i was like (laughs) all i know is that if i were put in the same position as the rock with both my legs yeah because he has a artificial leg my family would have died (laughs) like there's no way i'm doing half the shit that he's doing but for him it's the rock he's a superhero without a cape and he did it the second movie is sci-fi based and i didn't know it was sci-fi based until i saw it Sorry to bother you. I thought it was like a drug drama or something like that. So the best way to describe this, um, and it's labeled action, drama, comedy, fantasy, sci-fi on IMDb. It's like every category. (laughs) It's everything. It's the the type of movie that you think you know where it's going, and then the acid hits. Okay. And it takes you, like, then you go on a whole nother trip. Because I was like, okay, I know what this is. This is a social commentary movie. And it's got a great cast. Danny Glover's in it. I haven't seen him yeah. since, like, Badass on the Bayou with Danny <laughs> Trejo. 
he was in it. Lakeith Stanfield, who I think is going to have a, a really solid career since Get Out in Atlanta. Yeah. Tessa Thompson, who seems to be in everything. She's like uh, the new Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, She's in every yeah. movie. Um, Stephen Young from Walking Dead's in it. Army Hammer, who I've never seen a movie I've liked with Army Hammer in. He's in it. And Terry Crews. Oh, so I'm right. like, I love everybody in this It didn't movie. get great re- Not, and we've said it before. Who cares? Yeah, because... It didn't get great reviews. It, I hate things that do get great reviews. So. The trailers don't give it... Yeah, I had no idea what it was about. It's about telemarketers. Yeah. And it's about, like, a bunch of African-American telemarketers have to use their white voice <laughs> to get in, like... You use your white voice and you're dropped into the call like you like you could this one there was one scene this is minor spoiler where a guy's on the toilet and lakeith stanfield's just dropped into the toilet like right in front of the toilet and they're making the call and then he goes out but then it goes like then the acid hits because army hammer's doing some weird shit and then like i don't know where i was at the end of this movie because i'm like it, it's two completely different stories just the way that this guy Boots, I think his name is Boots Riley. Yeah. How he incorporated everything and just tied it together. It was insane. All right. I'm, I'm, I was interested, but I didn't know what it was about. They didn't really give you a great um, description. Yeah, the trailers do not do it justice at all. It's like in an alternate re- uh, universe if like Ikea took over the world <laughs> and then was doing some, some shady shit. So it's it's crazy. All right. Um, that's, a, that's a movie that I'm still trying to process i saw it today <laughs> so that's my in movie news segment for today in right. entertainment news but to, our episode that we're going to talk about is uh talking oh, one second that's fine um <clears throat> we, we will get to the episode uh talking about like it took me a while to process i i that's how i feel about luke cage like yeah i had oh. a lot of feelings develop about luke cage over a lo- like a stretch of time yeah um and Eventually, I landed on I didn't like it. Okay, the second season. Well, I, we we had talked in text about how I I don't know where I'm at with Luke as a man anymore. Yeah, and so uh, if you if you've watched Luke Cage, you'll know what we're talking about. If you haven't watched Luke Cage, uh, fast forward a little bit. But it was Bushmaster was better than anything in the first season. Yeah, it was better than Cottonmouth. Better definitely better than Diamondback. I think. I and he was well. You know, they've done this with the bad guys, except for mariah hill they try to to make you like her or feel pity or sympathy yeah. but you just can't yeah. which is great she that, was the most unlikable character and that's awesome yeah. i mean it's hard to create something that you can't get behind at all um but uh i like yeah uh bushmaster i i got behind yeah. i actually rooted for bushmaster uh, yeah he was the one that i was like oh i want bushmaster and luke cage to actually team up and become best friends like that's the <laughs> They're the heroes for hire that I wanted. Yeah. But then, like, they're developing the nightshade in the background, and you're like, all right. Yeah. I, I guess I guess that's fun. Yeah. When she open mouth kissed her mom, <laughs> Chelsea was watching it, and we were like, what the hell is... Why is she open mouth kissing her mom? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. Maybe that's, like, her in goodbye. Jail. Yeah. That, that jail had a revolving door. Yeah. It, that, that jail was, scene was ridiculous. Yeah. Everybody's getting their neck slit. And she's like, I'm the head bitch in charge. Yeah. And then she open mouth kisses her daughter, and I'm like, maybe that comes back. And it came, it came back. But well, I, I thought it was a poison ivy thing. Okay. Yeah, like right away, that's what I thought. I didn't even think of it because she was, you know, she was working. I just think, aside from everything they put on the screen, I think. Well, no, I mean it is important. 
they dumbed him down. Yeah. Like, he was so stupid. Yeah. He, he couldn't make a decision. Maybe they wanted to grow his circle of important people, and he couldn't do anything unless, like, somebody, like, he had had to get, like, confirmation. Like, he talked to his dad, or he talked to, uh, like, all the, his good ideas yeah. came from other people. Yeah, this was more of a Misty Knight series than anything. Yeah, well, I root of, yeah, I was, yeah. like, behind Misty Knight. It was more Misty Knight, like, when that scene with her trying to adjust the, having the the loss of her arm when their daughters of the dragon are fighting in the bar mm-hmm. against um oh my god it it's slipping my mind chuck talked about an active geek that's the character that he wanted a uh, fish no no it's somebody else because oh shit whatever there, there's a lot of allusions to mr fish in yeah. so, certain maybe, different ways maybe it was yeah maybe because everybody had a fishy last name or yeah. this or that so and this i think this guy was they that was his name okay and that's who, you know, Chuck was like, oh, my God, we're, we're getting Mr. Fish. <laughs> and that scene was great. It was all about Missy Knight. And then it was, how can we redeem ourselves from Danny Rand? But after Danny Rand showed up, I was like, I could use more of him in this yeah. show. Yeah, he was so... He was and like, how bad is that when you're like, oh, Iron Fist would be an improvement on <laughs> these... Li-. And spoiler, Bushmaster just goes away. Yeah. He's into the win. Yep. He fought tooth and nail to kill everybody. Damn near died twice. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, I'm done. Yeah. But he wasn't done. Yeah. Mariah Dillard, she's gone. Now but I can... she wasn't. Yeah. She was in jail. And yeah. then she's like, I would have killed her daughter. I would have killed everybody. Yeah. Be the Bushmaster. He was so awesome just leaving heads everywhere. Yeah. And then... Eh. I think everybody did a great job. Alfred yeah. Water... She was amazing. Yeah. She was the most hateable person you could have ever had. And Mike Bush Coulter, was, Mike Coulter was great as Luke Cage, but just the I, way they wrote him. I think yeah, this is a bad writing, for, but only for Luke Cage. I think yeah. Well, Iron Fist was. I mean, in just an Iron Fist show, oh. that was pure shit. But they wrote everybody else better. Even the um, like the sh- well, I didn't like that shitty cop either. Yeah, no. she was awful. She's like, I schooled you in basketball, and I was like, yeah, this is yeah. not what we're talking about. You're a cop now. Yeah. Um, soundtrack was great. Soundtrack was great. Yeah, I even like like I liked the music. I, yeah. I and but it was just I, I think they wrote Luke Luke Cage bad. Yeah, and I, but everything else was good. Yeah, I don't know where I'm. The, the relationship between uh, Shades and uh, what's his name uh, Cherokee was cool. Oh, uh, Comanche. Like or Comanche. That was neat. Like I didn't expect that. To yeah, happen. neither. I didn't think they were gonna be lovers. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And Shades is in jail now. Like, I don't know. Shades had a deal. He walked and then he didn't walk. Yeah. And it was, a lot of that was good, but I just didn't, I hated the way they wrote Luke Cage. And I, like, it would be great if season two of The Defenders, which is never going to happen because they canceled The Defenders, would be The Defenders fighting Luke Cage. Yeah, well. Because Luke Cage is really just, I don't know if he's turned into a power hungry mogul now that's going to well, eventually they, get they, i mean that's basically what they showed you yeah when he said burn it to the ground that was the best thing to do yeah like it didn't make sense for him not to burn it to the ground yeah like i don't know what he thinks is going to happen well now he's shook knight with impenetrable skin right so i don't i don't know what's going to happen i'm so torn with luke cage i met mike Coulter and i was like oh i'm rooting for you buddy but this is really rough that's what i said bring the punisher in yeah, the Punisher. He can't kill him, but it'd be fun to watch him try a couple yeah. times. Yeah, the Punisher against Heroes for Hire. Maybe, <laughs> yeah. we, maybe we kill two birds. Get rid of Iron Fist, too. 
I don't know. I, and, and, you know, a lot of people liked it. Yeah. A lot of people liked it. Um, a lot a lot of, like, the media outlets said it didn't live up to right. uh, season one, which is season one was really hard to live up to. You got right. you had Mahershal, Mahershal Ali, who nobody knew until that, and then he wins an Academy Award, and they're like, oh, we can't afford you anymore. Right. We got to kill you halfway through the show. <laughs> and then they, they ended it with a subpar villain. And then my thing was there were there were already way too many villains to begin with, and then they I they started with what three more in this one, four if you add Comanche, yeah. five if you add Nightshade, Nightshade, yeah, if you add Nightshade, but you don't until the end. She's yeah. basically on your side until now. She's season three's villain. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. It. I don't. I don't know where I stand. Like. They tried to portray him as taking the moral high ground every single time and making sure that, you know, he's got this code of ethics that yeah. he can't he, – he, I don't know where he got it. I don't know why he's got it. I don't know why he would be so against killing the right people. The yeah. best thing he could have ever done is kill Mariah. Absolutely. And he would have saved lives by killing yeah. – which is a good segue into our episode that we're going to do. Somebody had to die – to change the, to yeah. save the future, uh, but he just couldn't do it, and it, it you know it's hard to watch him try to maintain that, and then just at the end, whether they you know they're going to pull the rug, but they're not because we know that he's not going to stay a bad guy, yeah, or he's not going to become one. He might become a vigilante, or you know, but why take a character that's become beloved and? Put Make, him on. Put him on the fence. Yeah, give him kind of an ambiguous, uh, and they and I think he, they just wrote him dumb. Yeah, like he was a dummy. Yeah, he threw away all his morals at the very end for a little bit more money. The thing that he didn't want or care about. Yeah, he. They had the app. They had the shirts, and he was like, "No, stop using my name. I don't want to be. I don't want to be a a slogan." Yeah, but that was the crazy thing is maybe they're just showing him his his morality degrading because. That was the thing is like they would write they'd have him say lines like, I, you know I don't want that I don't need that and then they show him, you know staring into the camera yep. saying his name yeah remember my name I'm back. none of that makes any sense yeah that's where I was like I the disconnect happened but what I did like was the music yeah but I liked the music like the musical interludes like how the people that were playing in the bar yeah kind of pertain to that particular scene. Yeah, like the, what was going on. the last episode with Rakim. Yeah. And he's saluting Luke Cage and Luke Cage is there and right. they take down the you know, the biggest poster, which was my favorite. Yeah. Like even Mariah I think Luke Cage actually stood in front Everybody's of him. Really. With the crown. Yeah. And then he put the Muhammad Ali one up and I was like, oh, all right. Uh, now you float like a butterfly and Muhammad Ali was one of those dividing characters too. Yeah. Where you either loved him or you hated him. There wasn't anyone who was like, Oh I'm so so with Muhammad. Right. So uh, maybe that's where they're going with Luke Cage. Maybe. Maybe I think there's, yeah. I, you know, the storyline could be good if yeah. he's like even whether he becomes morally ambiguous or he doesn't, and they they keep him with the same values. I just think they wrote him to be dumb or or not, unable to handle what's going on. Yeah. So personally, I thought doing two seasons of Luke Cage and Iron Fist would be the best way. Yeah, and then do season three for both of them would be a Heroes or Higher team up show. Yeah, that's, I think that's gotta happen. You do that, then you can spin off. If like, if you have no plans for Misty Knight in the Luke Cage universe, spin her out and do yeah. and Colleen and Colleen Wing spin them both out and do Daughters of the Dragon, and that would kill it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And 
they even they alluded to it in Luke Cage that they connect it what's going on in Luke Cage to Cloak and Dagger too because one of the cops from Harlem is now in New Orleans with Cloak okay. and Dagger and she's one of the main characters in the All series right. Whatever. Which, which Cloak and Dagger actually isn't bad yeah I, I haven't gotten to it yet I, it, you know I, I, I binged uh, Luke Cage but Cloak and Dagger exceeded my expectations so far I think we're six episodes in and it's uh it's it makes you root for some characters yeah. i don't like cloak at all i don't like dagger at all i'm a fan of cloak well they write her to be a, like not likable yeah she's she's like a spoiled rich girl but she's not she's a runaway right? she's a runaway homeless girl in this series and he's a spoiled rich guy because oh. he goes to like a prep school and she's sleeping in a church i think I think the comics were different. Yeah, they were. Because yeah. she was like a ballerina from like a, her mom was like an old beauty queen. Yeah, yeah. This this ties into like Roxxon. Yeah. Um, Roxxon's a big, the big enemy. It's the, it's the new Hydra in yeah. the TV universes with Roxxon. But then, you know, we're going to, we're going to move from Marvel. We could talk Marvel all day. And we're going to move into your wheelhouse. Yep. And we're going to go Star Trek, the original series. Yeah. In particular, we're going season one, episode 28. Uh, what some people considered, and if you listen to our J.K. Woodward episode, he also touched on this episode. And uh, he also touched on work, know, spending time and talking to uh, Harlan Ellis. So. Yeah, so this is the the review, I guess, of, or just our thoughts of The City on the Edge of Forever, who, which was written by Harlan, uh, Harlan Ellison, D.C. Fontana, and Gene L. Kuhn. Both of the other two weren't... Um, weren't credited on that writing right and this came out in uh 1967 yeah 20 years before i was born which is uh <laughs> well that's a, i don't know it feels quintessentially 60s but maybe that's because this is the um maybe one of the most famous properties that come out of the 60s yeah. well at least in america it might be i think i was reading that this average uh, when it debuted it was a le- like 11.7 million households that's tuned crazy. into this because it was like this is considered the penultimate episode of season one. Yeah, and the, of th- like twenty nine episodes in a season two. Yeah, because the next one has like the coolest name and it's Annihilate. Yeah, and I'm like, ooh, I want to watch this one. <laughs> but full disclosure to our listeners, this is the very first time I've ever seen this episode. I've heard of it. Have you seen uh, the original series? Of any of them? Some of them, like in passing, when it was right. on like TV Land, when like my grandpa would watch it, or like my dad. It came on after Gunsmoke, and my dad was watching it. Um, I have some thoughts. Okay, but I, I want you to kind of take the lead on this because this is your this is your wheelhouse. So right. let's talk about the episode a bit. Uh, I, you know, it was a big deal. Everybody, like you know, that was in the community, science fiction community, was like, "Wow, it's you know, Harlan Ellis passed away, and he wrote this amazing episode." Harlan Ellis was kind of like, "Yeah, okay, we need to." He's he's one of those characters that are divide like div- divisive. Like, yeah. Well, we need to mention that. He just passed away June twenty eighth. Yeah, this is kind of an homage. To yeah, a little little tribute of him. Yeah, um, yeah. He he was a you know he wrote a ton of stuff mm-hmm. and softcore porn. Yeah, and even like this, he he was you know he, I think he might have had a history of not liking things after they were done, but then coming back around to him. But uh, well, I know he definitely did not like this because he wrote an entire like this wasn't his vision. Right, like he wrote the original screenplay for this, and Gene Roddenberry came in and just rewrote the hell out of it. Yeah, and uh, Har- Harlan didn't like it to the point that he didn't use his pen name on it. Despite yeah. them, he was like, "I'm going to take credit for this because it's now it's my work. You rewrote this because, but it's my vision." Yeah. So he put his 
or and like it, you his know, government I, name I, on it. I wonder what he didn't like because I really liked it. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's different yeah. than Star Trek, and we do get some other parts of Star Trek that have you know different you know go in the past or different worlds that are in the past, but this was. Uh, it was very not science fiction-y. Every Star Trek episode that we've done on this show yeah. has been non-science fiction-y. Like, we did the, the Nog episode, yeah. and, like, that was my first taste of that series, and I was like, oh, but then this was a good one. Like, if, if we were going to spin our old wheel, dust that bitch off, this would have been a good one to start with. Yeah. Because this, I loved this episode. Uh, it it yeah. left me with some feelings about the characters. Right. Um, my one question was, when did, and if you don't know this, this is fine. When did Takai come out? Uh, uh, I think in the 80s. Because he was fabulous back then. Oh, yeah. Like, how much layers of eyeshadow did my I man know. have on? Knowing that who he is now, how he's so out and proud, mm-hmm. and then, like, putting that, that mask on him back then, you you watch and you're like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. there's, like, I think the second or third episode is the naked now yeah. and he's like he's stripped down to like his waist and like he's glistening he's sweaty and he's like having us like he's trying to get people a sword fight <laughs> like <laughs> he's so happy right now and it starts like that's how the show the episode starts is with him passing out yeah and then like it zoom like it zooms into him and then he's like smiling he's like, yeah, yeah he's got full black and blue high shadow water <laughs> And I just what, supposedly is that to reflect the the light from uh, like uh, planets and moons and sun? I don't know because that's know not why. functional makeup. In there space. might have been some. Well, there was a few color tricks and color problems well, with this. Um, like uh, Kirk's um, shirt is yellow. Yeah, he's got another shirt that. Um, before it got the, the coloring process on TV to make it work, it was like it was a different color. Okay. And then when it was like remastered and uh, fixed, it turned out to be like a bright green. Jesus. So nothing else is that same color. So it's it, but you know it could have been a makeup thing. But suppose I think he once said on Howard Stern that he like Gene Roddenberry knew like people that are real close to him knew that he was gay. Yeah. And like he, I mean, he's been doing gay stuff since he was like. I think he said 12, 13. Yeah. But I don't think he was, like, out and proud. Yeah, because if he would have came out, he probably would have been blackballed. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it. as much as we're back to being progressive again, uh, we're becoming more accepting in the world, mm-hmm. but there's still an isolated population that is not accepting. And right. it's just, you know, we're 50 years from there. Yeah. And it's, there's, it's still shitty. Yeah, I mean, now, like, as in, like to pay homage to him... Like J.J. Abrams' verse, he's gay. Yes. Uh, uh, Sulu. Yeah. Well, and and Sulu is gay yeah. in the show. So, and I think um, Takei's actually said he does he doesn't like that. Really? Yeah. He was like that character wasn't gay. He's like if he was gay, I would have played. Him. He was fabulous though. Yeah. Because he was great. Like the one scene we had of him, I was like, all right, all right, <laughs> that that's the George Takei I know. Yeah. So, I just like. There's scenes that, like, when we're on the Enterprise, is that what we're calling it, the Enterprise, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, When we're on the Enterprise, there are some scenes like that that I was like, okay, this is fun. But then there's, like, the uh, when McCoy goes rogue after falling on, what was it, Cortazine? Yeah, some type of, I don't know. Yeah, he gets injected with his entire 
yeah. syringe that he already put into Sulu. Yeah. Now he gets the after effects of it <laughs> and becomes like super paranoid and yeah, hallucinating. Yeah, it's, it's like bath salts. Yeah, exactly. And then he goes to, um, I guess he's going to the transport, and he slaps the guy in the ass. He does some Star Trek foo. Yeah, he slaps <laughs> him in the ass and then kind of like right. sweeps the leg. <laughs> And he's paralyzed. Like, yeah. this guy's knocked There's out. There's so many judo chops in Star yeah. Trek. I was like, what the hell is happening? Wouldn't Spock have talked to somebody like the nerve pinch? He can't. Only Vulcans can do it. Oh, God. But wait. Vulcan could do it to anything. That's but the crazy thing. Star Trek Discovery, Michael yeah, can do. Yeah. But she was raised by Vulcans? She was raised by Vulcans. Okay, so there's a gray area. Uh, yeah, I don't know. All right. So then we get into the... We, we don't need to find more reasons for other people to hate the 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 new discovery universe yeah, yeah there's a um, lot of std hate out there and <laughs> we're fans of it in fact we're working on trying to get one of the cast members on the yeah, show which is hopefully. fingers crossed and that's a little inside podcasting but this is the this episode 40 what 50 minutes long yeah uh, available on netflix uh, if you're if you have netflix and you want to see it before you listen to it full spoilers this episode by yeah, the way yeah for this for this 50 year old tv show um this is the the what would you do crisis if you're yeah. going to time travel because they get to this world where once McCoy goes through nothing else exists he yeah Their uh, ship. the way it's explained is like a hundred thousand year old machine slash entity um, has control over time not control it just gives you access to time yeah and I now this isn't the io the Ionis or Ionis are the ones that create the mirror. Um, but this is like an old, which I, I like, I like, I really like this part. It's like an old civilization. And that's a great thing about Star Trek is every week they were meeting something that could potentially wipe out the entire population. Yeah. This one was called the, the guardian of forever. Yeah. Uh, that's what explains that, you know, once you go through this doorway to any time, uh, everything yeah. else contact and your your ship is gone yeah as and yeah they were protected as long as they were within you know a certain range of the thing um yeah and then i guess mccoy was flung back into the past 1930 yeah. specifically they don't know that yet but um and then new york city great depression yeah um captain kirk and uh spock followed him in uh, you know, there's some fun moments about you know Spock's ears and oh, like how racist Captain yeah, Kirk is. Some like, some racism. He's like, oh, he's clearly Asian. Yeah, <laughs> like what? I'm some, watching uh, it. I was like, I forgot. Subtle when Asian racism because mm-hmm. uh, it was okay back then, even though you have an Asian man. Of all the like, so let's put yourself in Kirk's position, and you have to go back in the past. Who would you would you bring Spock? Well, I, that's what I was going to say. The crazy thing about this is. McCoy goes missing, you yeah. know, maybe the best surgeon in the fleet and all that. So he arranges a away team. And on this away team is the five most important people on your ship. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you do that? And I know it's because of, it's a TV show. Yeah. But, you you know, you wouldn't have the captain, the first officer, uh, the engineer who at that is the he's the third in charge yep. after Spock, um, and and, and you horror you wouldn't have yeah <laughs> you know five bridge officers go down on two yeah your whole command is over there 
So and then two random dudes. Uh, I thought that was weird, but yeah, I, I mean, is Spock the most? I mean, like, is is he the one who's most easily like disguisable? Because if you're going back in the past, I don't think Uhura was would be a good choice just right. because of the way of the world. Uh, uh, Sulu probably not a good choice as well. Maybe Scotty. Yeah, I mean, Scotty could have been a you know racist Irish cop. Yeah, you know, Scottish Fit, fits perfect in New York. <laughs> At 1930s yeah. New York, yeah. Uh, ideally, I would have taken McCoy had he not right went, uh, went got on like PCP and started yeah. running screaming assassins and not like yeah. I'm not gonna murder you. Like there's there's a scene where he's running and he he now he gets to the past what seems like ten hours after Kirk and Spock get but to it's the past. Been, it's been weeks or a week or okay. days at least. Because they've been working for that lady. Yeah, Edith. Uh, yeah. Joan Collins, who was a looker back in her day. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Um, they come through and... They've been working for 15 cents an hour. I'm, I'm like, for 10-hour <laughs> days. Like they, the, the, they get there and they Vulcan nerve pinch a cop. Yeah. That steal some... Steal... Close all the laundry right. line. And then they wind up at a homeless mission. Yeah. And she's like, sure, come on then. Yeah, we'll come right in. And the, like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, they broke into this woman's house. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. And they're like, oh, you're in the mission. And I was like, oh, well, they're dressed like bums. Spock put on like a. He looked like a, just a fabulous lumberjack <laughs> with like hurt like eyebrows. To take a millennial term, his eyebrows were on fleek. <laughs> and they went up and they decided to work in a soup kitchen. But then she's spouting off about like she's the I guess the the do goody yeah nut she's job. a prophet yeah who sounds a, like she's like has inside information yeah like she may like might also be a time traveler yeah and she's spouting off about how you know the world men are gonna go into space and they're gonna save yeah. humanity and this is 1930 yeah so the heart of the depression like people are, right. aren't eating yeah and then here we go like this is my conflict with the episode is kirk immediately falls in love with this immediately. woman immediately and disregards the entire mission seems like it. Yeah. so in your opinion well he doesn't he's not doing anything is he's he got to wait he's got he's got to buy radio tubes for spock to build yeah but some i don't know so it looked like he was building a theremin yeah like or like a, an edm light show yeah. because he's just got 17 light bulbs a jug of distilled water and he's just making like a ham radio out of it and then that thing is able to get newspaper clippings from the future yeah <laughs> yeah it's all he saw the obituary where she dies what days later yeah and then kirk's like oh no she's gonna live forever and she's gonna be very important and that's when we have our little conundrum but my conundrum is is kirk a good leader in this episode and it, not, maybe not uh kirk by himself is never good yeah yeah it doesn't but, seem like he's a great like He's a good leader of... He's charming, and he gets people behind him. Yeah. Like, he has the potential to be, like, a cult leader. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a Jim Jones type. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, he could definitely get a ton of people on his side for and rally them to a certain degree. Uh, and we were talking, like, he doesn't always make the best decisions. Things always work out for him, though. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, the theme of Star Trek from now like through the whole thing is he's able to by brute force change the way things should happen yeah 
And, you know, famously he beats the unbeatable by cheating. And he feels there's – you asked him to do a thing and that thing got done. So A is it got done. The end result is, you know, or the end result is it got done and you asked me to do it. Yeah. You didn't, I don't need to fill you in with all the details. Yeah, and you're stuck with me now. Yeah. So he's always got his way. And I thought, like, if you don't watch it or you haven't seen it before, you could come into this with that kind of mentality. Like, oh, you know, we'll talk about what needs to happen and his dilemma. Yeah. But he could – they could have written this where he changes it. But he changes everything, yeah. and it goes in the right way because that's just the way he does things. Yeah, and if he were to change the future, because the whole thing is like, Edith, Edith has to die. She's the nicest person on the planet. Yep, has the best outlook. Probably and, the prettiest person we've seen. Yeah, although Nichelle Nichols was a looker too. Oh yeah, yeah. No. So she was. Uh, she stacked up pretty well in this episode yeah. as well, but she she wants to say like she wants she's a prophet like you said she's going to save trying to save the world. And she meets with the president in the future yeah. and stuff like that. And, For, and but she, she is counter to uh, you know a terrorist leader. She wants to spread peace. Yeah, in America. And the, we get to the the ultimate question is: if you go back in time, can you would you change it? And Kirk wants to. Yeah, like he's like you don't know what future for Edith is the correct future. Either she gets hit by a truck. Or she becomes, you know, a visionary. Yeah. And Spock's like, listen, man, like, McCoy came back. He rescued her. If he, by him rescuing her from getting hit by this truck, Germany takes over and yeah. rules the planet. Basically, yeah, we become a pacifist nation because mm-hmm. it seems like the right thing. She has enough charisma to spread that idea. And then Germany the president the gets A-bomb. behind it. But Germany's like, great. I'm glad you're a pacifist. Which, in another way, is like pretty like deep and you know existential conversation about is there value in war and violence? Yeah. Like we could be as nice as we can, but nice isn't going to win wars when yeah. they're attacking you. Yeah, just because we're being nice doesn't mean right. that the other side is going to be nice. There's nice is be- not a physical shield. Yeah. It's not going to protect you from anything. It's good to have it, but. You need to learn to defend yourself. Yep. You know, it's, it, you have to have that that balance, but yeah, which yeah. is counterintuitive to what Star Trek preaches. Their societies, like, or at least Earth societies, like in the future. Yeah, and we go forty minutes into the episode before we see McCoy emerge, Masters of the Universe style, <laughs> like immediately emerges screaming, still scares a homeless man who stole milk, <laughs> and then instead of saying like, "Hey, man, let's talk for a bit." He starts screaming at him, I won't kill you, don't yeah. run. <laughs> it's a great, great welcome for, for, for this, uh, this man in New York. And, so, and that guy dies later. Yeah. And, and like, he, like, he, what, what's he, steals? He steals the phaser. Yeah, like, come on, you get disarmed by a homeless man who just stole milk? <laughs> You're supposed to be, like, he's hallucinating. I would have just, like, imagined him, like, to bite his arm off or something or, like, <laughs> have some kind of strength. But he winds up at the, the missionary. Yeah. And he's hanging out with Edith, and nobody like then it becomes like a a a like television sitcom. Yeah, uh, missed like um, what is that misconnection? Misconnection. <laughs> because like three men emerge out of nowhere with the weirdest clothing, mm-hmm. like leggings and like 
matching sweaters, blouse boots, yeah, like exactly. silk pants, blouse exactly. Boots. And one of them's got like fancy eyebrows and like pointed elf ears, and not one person says anything. Yeah. Like Edith, as smart and visionary as she's going to be, doesn't put two and two together until she's going on a date with her guy friend, who turns out to be Kirk. They're going to go see a Clark Gable. Her movie. young man. Yeah, her young man. What a creepy thing. Right. What they said back then. And she's like, I'm going to go see a Clark Gable movie. And she says that to McCoy. And McCoy's like, who? What? What do you? Yeah. I know what a movie is, but who's Clark Gable? And then she's going to the movie with Kirk. And like, I'm going to go see, right, let's go see let's the, go, yeah. the Gable movie. And he's like, who's that? And she's like, you know what? Dr. McCoy said the same thing. Yeah. And then immediately he grabs her. What do you mean Dr. McCoy says the same thing? Yeah. And here comes Bath Salts McGee coming out of the mission. Like, <laughs> apparently they're right across the missionary. Yeah. He comes out screaming. Spock's right behind him but doesn't know he's there. Yeah. And then... Edith's, like, just wandering. Like, Chelsea got home at the end of this episode. And she's like, how smart is this woman if she's not looking both ways? Yeah. Like, all she had to do was look both ways and she could have saved her own future. Like she, it's not like that truck was going 100 miles an hour. It was like going 15 miles an hour. Yeah. It had like milk and chickens in it. <laughs> and it kills her because McCoy wants to go save her. Like he, like he's been told to, essentially. He's had this vision that he's supposed to go back in time and save this woman. And he runs to go save her. But Kirk... Who's in love with her. In love with her. Already has said that I'm going to change his future. Grabs McCoy. And, and prevents... And what... And they've said this is. I mean, this is a part, pretty jarring thing for them to say. Spock says it because he's the one to say it. I mean, it makes sense for him. Tells everybody or tells Kirk she has to die. Yep. Either has to die for the future that we know to take place. Yeah. So you know, and it's kind of a jarring thing to say. So yeah. we we now know that Edith has to die. She's the key to it. Yeah. And Kirk shields himself from it. But like where McCoy thinks he's doing the right thing, he watches. Yeah, Kirk holds him back, and she just, McCoy and, just stares at this because he was feeling probably falling in love too, just like yeah. everybody else. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. And the only person who's not falling in love with her is probably Spock, because he, he's and, a, and yes, definitely Sulu is not falling in love <laughs> with her either. But she's dead. Mm-hmm. She she dies, and you're just like, wow. Yeah. And then they go right back. Through oh, the, yeah, and they said that if it if it works, you'll just come right back here. Yeah, and they go right back through the, the Guardians of Forever. Forever. So they go back through the gateway of the Guardians of Forever and scene. Yeah. Do you, and Finn. It um, was, yeah, it was very... I think that that's where maybe... Because this episode is very uh, debatable. Not debatable, but it's talked about in high regard in the sci-fi community. But it looks like Babylon 5 got their main... Or no, Stargate. It looks like Stargate kind of took their their whole setup, yeah, from the Guardian of Forever. Could be, and I, I, you know, I mean, that, that, we'll that, never know that but. passage through a gate thing. I, um, it's very it's like everywhere, and you know, we talk to it's 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 in the Expanse. Yeah, um, it's in um, what's the show from Australia? Um, sci-fi show. Um, Farscape, yeah, it's a wormhole uh, traveling through wormholes. Uh, you know, 
it's very wormholes. I guess have been a thing for a long time. But. I I think it the sci-fi community kind of took that from the mythology myth, mythology community, where it's kind of like when Zeus would send Hercules out. Yeah, he'd have to go through the gates, and yeah. the gates were this kind or, of you know, wormholeish like. We got the the bifrost bridge. Yeah, you know, and the, the, you know going through that and stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing, and it's an easy thing to use because we have no idea if whatever we're doing is possible. Yeah. You know, if we can control those energies, you know, we are not scientists. In this, in this but, episode, what do you, in your opinion, what do you think Ellison wrote? Oh, like, what geez. what part of this? Because I think the the main, the, the skeleton was there. The Guardian of Forever was his, his story. Yeah. Them going back, the existential crisis where we become a pacifist universe and then them, and well, then her dying, and that's it. I wonder it. if he wrote it for Star Trek. Yeah, because did you read the book? No. Neither did I, and I know J.K. had talked about it, like, yeah, that that's, yeah. like, a must-read. I, I, just because I haven't been able to find it. But yeah. I, um, yeah, I I wonder, like, he he wrote it, and I think, you know, he probably didn't write it specifically for Star Trek. Yeah. And that must have been where Roddenberry came in. And said, you know, we'll have to adjust the story to fit our characters. Yeah. And um, the the eye makeup is definitely a Roddenberry <laughs> thing. I don't think Harlan's writing this. And uh, you know, you're right. It's a book, and they rushed it to one episode. So you know, the story might seem a little rushed and fast, you know, faster paced than it would have been. But I still think the bones of it are good, like really good. The yeah. idea that you know. Well, I mean, it won a ton of of awards right in terms of awards it it won writers guild of america award for best episodic drama on television it won a hugo award it won the best dramatic presentation uh but it didn't win like the the nebula the nebula award which everybody was hoping for but this is like this is the episode this is what everybody was kind of hoping for with the you know i think it was the they spent two hundred fifty thousand dollars on this episode in 1967 what's crazy is it takes place in New York City. Mm-hmm. Like you would think, this was probably the cheapest episode. Yeah. Well, like was half that money to get to Joan Collins? Yeah, probably. Like we just need you to. Well, no, I think this is on the cusp of her be, really being a, a huge star. Yeah. Well, here's here's a little bit about the disagreement. It says Roddenberry disagreed with some of Kirk's actions in the first draft, and he asked Ellison to rewrite the treatment without pay. Hmm. And then the redraft took a fur, uh, further five weeks. After which Roddenberry gave more notes to Ellison, took another two weeks to respond. So now we're at seven weeks of rewrites. Uh, there, uh, there were still plans for uh, to film the episode in the first half of the season at that point. So that's why, like, this would have probably been an earlier episode, but because you know there was all this rewriting stuff. Um, and then when a version was received on May 13th, Roddenberry and the executives at Desilu and NBC were all relieved. There had been concerns over the amount of time taken as scripts were uh, were being pitched, written, and approved at the time taken for Ellison to revise his outlet and this or his outline. And this version dropped the environmental suits due to the, to the cost and rewrote the information given to Kirk by the Guardians, making it more general and less Earth specific. It also changed Edith Costler's surname to Killer. Uh, however, the majority of the plot points were unchanged. Hmm. Well, I mean. It's a shame. Seven weeks to change a name and to change the, like, make it less earthly. Yeah. But they tr- they only went to Earth. Right. So it, it seems like they were yeah, just... Yeah, but they went on a back lot 
in L.A. Yeah. They didn't go to New York, which, yeah. you know, we a city's a city. Yeah, but it's not the. You could tell it's a backlash because there's no traffic. Yeah, you can't, they didn't pay any extras. Yeah, it was Masters Universe Act, Act yeah. Three. Um, yeah, and it probably would have cost a lot more if they actually went to New York. Yeah. Because then you got to pay to ship, you know, people by plane across the country back in 1967. Uh, who knows? You know, like I, I like that there's controversy and there's there's you know a little hate and that that always kind of like breeds like a good creative, you know, thing. Like yeah, because that that means he wants to hold on to what he thinks is right, and then Roddenberry's like, well, what you know, I want to hold on to what I think is right, and. Who do you think wrote the hat scene with Spock? <laughs> or like the judo chop on the, the ass slap Ju- of Doom? Yeah. The judo chop has been, is a, is a Star Trek ch- staple all the way up until like uh, the next series. So. But he slapped him in the ass. I and that's what dropped him. I think it was supposed to be like a kidney blow. Okay. Like a, a one-two. Because I wrote that down. And I'm, I'm, as you can see, I don't have my notebook with me. But I wrote that down. And I was like, how do you explain the ass slap? I don't understand it. Like, I don't know what they're going for. I never got that. And DeForest Kelly was, like, he was in westerns and stuff. Yeah. So he he knew how to throw, like, a Hollywood punch. Yeah, he was a badass. Yeah. Like, he could have thrown a Hollywood punch back in the day. I think he was on Gunsmoke for, for a um, I'm bit. pretty sure he was. I think yeah. I think I remember. That's where <laughs> I knew him from because my dad watched Gunsmoke way too much. Honestly, yeah. way too much. I tell you the truth. I really like Gunsmoke. It's, I don't like look for it. It's but a good if it's, series. If it's only, I'll watch Gunsmoke. It's the, the only way you can make a name like Festus, <laughs> Festus Hagen, be like a popular character. But I think like they're painting the picture that the crew on the on the Enterprise are far less superior than Kirk. Kirk has to be the alpha, and yeah. you can't have anybody else know any forms of martial arts <laughs> other than the judo chop. Yeah, judo chop is the pinnacle. Of, of of physical training and, and, and martial arts, but wouldn't spot it, but one one blow judo chops. Yeah, there's no there's right. no like rights and lefts. It's like split the butt cheeks. <laughs> he's done. Like that's what it was. I don't know what they're going. For. It's funny because I was I saw that too, and I was like, was that supposed to be like a kidney shot? Yep. Like he you, went to the liver, like Boz Rutten. Did you know that I was going to highlight that? <laughs> no. Because it, I thought it would. Yeah, that's what I think he did was. He's like, what am I doing? He's like, all right, you're going to punch him in the liver. And he then, thought the liver was like lower butt and cheek. And like, you're going you're gonna, to, you're, your knockout blow is coming up high behind the ear. Yeah. Butt punch, trip. <laughs> That's what we got out of this. And wouldn't, like, wouldn't Spock be the, the most superior person on that ship? Like, shouldn't Spock be the alpha? If he has this one move that nobody else can do. Not only that, he's, you know, he's stronger than everybody. They show that. Yeah. Uh, and all the other things. But... You know, for some reason, he wants to be where he's at. And I think that's the humanity in him. Yeah. Showing that he's emotionally, he likes where he's at. Because he could easily become the captain. Yeah. He could become the admiral, of, you know. But and We saw that kind of take place in the, what, the 2009 Star Trek, the J.J. Star Trek, where um, Kirk becomes, well, Kirk goes over to the other ship to fight Nero. And Spock becomes the captain, and then there's the battle of, like, who's the better captain? I don't know. I don't know. Well, Spock's more logical, so I feel like he would just... He would sacrifice as many people as he had to because it's a logical choice right. where... Well, that's what I said, though. Like, you need the emotion. Kirk, reputation precedes him, whereas he doesn't... Sure, 
a lot of Kurt's, you know, actions and things that he does should result in, you know, world wars and, and, you know, mass genocides. But he just somehow, you know, bootstraps his way through the storyline and says at the end, like, all right, yeah, this is exactly how I planned it. Do you think that Roddenberry created Kirk and just made him the luckiest man in the galaxy? Yeah. No, I do. He might be the luckiest man in any movie franchise or television show or any in entertainment in general. Right. Because he's, he just gets... The- he's lucky, but he's also... There's like this, this swashbuckler pirate thing about him where it's like, well, these are... This is, you know, this is what you have to do. Here's your rules of engagement. And then he's like, well, I can't win with these rules, so I'm going to change the rules. Yeah. And... and that that's kind of the thing that he always puts himself through, and that's the storylines that he always gets. Yeah. And here's my biggest thing about this, like about Star Trek in general. Discovery is different; it's a whole different animal. Yeah. But they've been the bottle episodes, just very episodic. I would have liked after watching this again. I mean, I've seen it a ton of times, but <clears throat> this should be like there should be some tension mm-hmm. between. Uh, Captain Kirk and and uh, McCoy. Yeah, there should be some. Even though logically they both know what they did was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. there should be like some, like this should have been the final episode for the season, and then you don't know how they're going to treat each other next week yeah. or next season. Like they should, you know, come back with some resentment towards each other, and then yeah, Kirk feeling it. But Kirk fell in love and out of love so fast that it really didn't matter and. You know, McCoy's always been his best friend. Yeah, and it's just—it's like it's just another day in the office for yeah. them. I, this could I, have been, honestly, this could have fit as the very last episode of the of the show. Yeah, and leading into uh, you know nowadays, this, that's where it would have fit. Leading into like, well, we know there's going to be movies. Yeah, and then ten years later, they have to rectify the situation. Yeah, because I but, I felt like the last. Like the the last fifteen minutes seemed very rushed, mm-hmm. and it ended so it ended flat because you just you go back and everything's normal. Like you don't see the rest of the crew; they just like they phase mm-hmm. in, and and that's it. I feel like this should have been a two part episode, like a cliffhanger, and then the season yeah. premiere for season two. But well, that's the thing is you're right. Getting up to a certain point, you know, in the the the, the show, it was like there's no way that they're gonna ratify finish this storyline in 10 minutes yeah. five minutes yeah because i'm watching it and i'm like there's it really is seven minutes left of this show there's some tension like it's like when's it going to happen yeah and then it does have but you know it's going to happen so it takes away some of the drama but there is a, an effect of her dying yeah and and like oh yeah, yeah they spent so much they spent like 15 unwanted minutes of on kirk's adventures yeah <laughs> He's going on a movie. He's stealing clothes. He's knocking out police officers. Like so up that. to this point, she is now dating, and happy, happily so. She's dating like, a, like he's admitted to running from the cops. Yeah, and he's a thief who knocked stealing out a cop. stuff, <laughs> and be, he was a bum and homeless. Yeah, yeah, and he's working. Like, I mean. He's probably working for a living wage back then. But. Yeah, two dollars a week to rent that that apartment. Yeah. Okay, sign me up. Yeah. Two dollars a week. I take my bank account. <laughs> Lived there for years. But like, you think about it for, 
that's terrible judgment on her part because like she straight up says like listen you bums if you can't get off the juice or the drugs like yeah. there's like get out I thought she was going to play the piano because like they situated her like she's going to walk up and play the piano the guy's like oh well there's a Miss Goody Two Shoes yeah. she's going to come up there she's not hard to look at but pay for the soup yeah okay I'll listen to her talk yeah. I can ignore her if I need to I'm well, eating soup yeah right soup and bread I'm good to go in this depression-esque world but in terms of Ellison do you think that this is Harlan Ellison's most noted property oh yeah yeah and he was 84 when he died yeah and this is what we got you know now he's won hugo nebula's edgar awards but this is the thing was he wasn't like a novelist and he wasn't like an like uh he didn't he wasn't a universe creator he wrote 1700 short stories yeah it was all which is huge like short stories is the bread and butter the sci-fi universe like Short stories is where a lot of this stuff comes from. Yeah. And, like, that's what LeVar Burton's uh, podcast is all about, mm-hmm. is reading short stories. And they're great. Yeah. And then, you know, you had, back then, your best way to get published was write short stories for sci-fi magazines. Yeah. So, that's how this all started. Yeah, that's how uh, George R. R. Martin really got his... Yeah. Uh, and most of the, the comic book writers um, from the UK, you know, uh, everybody yeah. over there, they... Right for fantasy or sci-fi yep. novel or magazines. And speaking of Neil Gaiman, he influenced uh, Harlan Ellison. Influenced Neil Gaiman. It says it on Wikipedia because, like we said, you know the internet's right. Uh, it he influenced Neil Gaiman, Peter David, who yeah. uh, we've talked to with uh, J.K. Woodward as well. Yeah. So the connection. Go back and listen to our J.K. Woodward episode if you haven't listened yeah. to it because this uh, uh, yeah, these uh, two pay. He was it was glowing how much he was you know. And this was before Harlan Nelson passed. Yeah, and his, his Twitter was—he twit, you know, was full of stuff about Harlan Nelson. Yeah, and you know, and Kevin Smith had a ton of stuff about him. You meet your idols. Yeah, yeah. He got—he got to do what most people wish they could do. With um, talking J.K., where he was able to work with his idol. Yeah, and collaborate on Star Trek. Like that's his, <laughs> like on the stuff that he that both of them are becoming extremely famous for. They got the bond over, you know, City on the Edge of Forever. I think he t- turned it into a graphic novel, right? Yeah, I think that's what the work was. Yeah, and it's it's just crazy. Yeah, like I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna go back and read the book. Yeah, because I feel like this episode, as good as it was, this was a this was a good jumping off point for me uh, in the the original series, but it I don't feel like it was rushed like we talked about, and I feel like the novel is gonna be so much better mm-hmm. because you're getting the full vision like, right. as we as yeah, we know with most. Well, this media. is this is. Uh, through Star Trek glasses, mm-hmm. you know, so you well, have you have to you know look at it that way and think about, you know, they they had to write this to fit Kurt as a Kirk as a protagonist and yeah. and you know Spock is the voice of reason and so I don't know if that's how it was originally written and how the idea was so who knows yeah and it's you know it sucks that as we're wrapping up now it sucks that. We had to get to this episode through tragedy with uh, right. Harlan Ellison dying, but it's also a great part because it comes from two different perspectives. You're long, uh, you're a lifetime Trekkie, and I'm dipping my toes in. You know what I mean? Right. So for me to this be my first time seeing it, and it's 50 years old, and you've seen it probably 500 times. Yeah. You know, it, it's a it's a good side to it's a good way to really it's a get good, both yeah, perspectives. to come together on it. I mean, there's been. There's the Space Hippie episode and yep. stuff like that. 
that they're not the best ones to get you know your feet wet on but this is and oddly enough you're right it's like it's it's them going into the past like every other one we've done yeah you know it's starting to become a trope for star trek yeah um well who who knows what's going to happen uh we know that this happened and this is the if you put mount rushmore's of star trek episodes regardless of uh, series this is probably the george washington face of it yeah, it's so, pretty far out there. Yeah. For the first season, it, it's it's probably the you know one of the best written and. Um, is it the best of the whole series? It's close. There's what there's other ones I really like, um, and they're they're in the same vein of like really, like hard questions that have to get answered, and the ones that like, you know, William Shatner gets a lot of flack for his acting style. Yeah. If you if you can call it that or yeah. whatever he's doing. Um, and the writing gets a lot of flack for just putting him in situations where it's just pretty girl, pretty girl, pretty girl. Yeah. And that this has that, but there's also a lot of ones where it's, it's, they have to, you know, go up against, you know, enormous intellects and, and near omniscient beings. And it's clever. There's yeah. a real, a lot of really clever writing to get out of those. And there's a lot of questions like existential questions about this so and we're in a cusp of like star trek's on the cusp of vietnam and the same yeah. you know in the same time frame and you know for that for them to write a show about trying to be peaceful and usually a lot of star trek the early star trek not so much the, the next generation but the original ep- or the original series was there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of like duke it and out yeah. there, there wasn't a lot of like uh war yeah space adventures it, yeah it was really just a lot of experimentation and discovery, whereas you know the later ones are there's war after war after war. But that's not how this was. They rarely shot anybody, or I mean they did, but it wasn't like prolonged space yeah. battles and stuff like that. That's what not what this was about. So you know, I dug it. Yeah, you know, I, I was looking forward to it. I put it up on a high pedestal, and I wasn't let down. I just no. wish the ending was a little a uh, little longer. I wish the the build up got a second part like yeah. a second episode but well that's a i i just wouldn't you know we talked about it that wasn't it's it wasn't ever written like all these are bottle episodes yeah you know you rarely ever talked about what happened from one episode to the next i really would have liked you know it'd be great if this showed up again and again but, yeah you know that's just star trek that's not how it's, it's done and you know that's the tagline for this episode that's just star trek yeah and i feel like we've we've hit a lot of uh decisive or divisive uh topics today so our our listeners need to let us know on all the the forms of social media if you like this episode how you feel on luke cage (laughs) what if you saw sorry to bother you or am i the only one who's confused let us all know and you can do that on uh, twitter at the grace t-h-r-t-h-e-g-r-y-s and then we're galaxy wars podcast across the board um, you can find me on the Active Geek Podcast. You can find more information about this podcast, the Active Geek Podcast, and the Adventures of Binks and the Beards Podcast at ActiveGeekProductions.com. And next week, we're going for another divisive episode <laughs> where we're going to talk Wally. I don't, I don't know how many people don't like Wally. Oh, you're looking at one of them. I know. So I'm going to go back and maybe finally watch the whole thing and not 15 <laughs> minutes of it. But that's next week because Wally's celebrating his tenth week or ten year anniversary, and we're slowly approaching our fifty second episode. Yeah, meaning we've been doing this for a year. 
we recorded our video a year ago. A year ago. So, so I think I think I have it marked down on our episode guide. We are hitting one year. And if this is the one year episode, happy one year, listeners. <laughs> Many more years to come, but we have a lot uh, lot to look forward to in this upcoming future podcast experience that we're going to give you. So follow us on all our social medias. Give us a like and review on all of the Apple podcast directories and the Google Play stores and all that stuff so we can reach the higher charts and get more uh, more guests. And we'll see you next week with Wally. Bye. Let's see.